Mark was talking about cataracts. I rubbed my eye, and now I can't see out of this eye. So, Mark, it's your fault. If, I, if, if you're online, I, I'm not winking at you. I, just, I really can't see. Uh, I have things about eyes. I, this, I don't, the reason I don't wear, somebody asked me, why don't you wear contacts? Because you've got to put your finger in your eye. I can't do that. So there he is. And they said, why don't you have laser surgery? Listen, if you can't put a finger in your eye, I'm not letting a laser come to my eye. Okay, it's just the way it is. I, I'm used to this. So, but anyway, that's why I'm looking this way, like I, I got poked in the eye. I did. I, I did it myself. On Sunday nights, we're studying the book of John, the gospel of John. So if you have a copy of God's Word, look with us to the book of John, chapter 9. Book of John, chapter 9. John tells us the reason he's writing this book is that we will know who Jesus is. He's giving to us new information other than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He's telling us more about the actions of Jesus. Many of the stories found in John are not found in the other Gospels. This chapter, we're going to look at the whole chapter. I'm going to read just a portion of it, but we're going to look at the entire chapter. It's an amazing chapter to see all the things that's going on. And on Sunday nights, if you're uh, joining us for the first time or joining us first time online, we take more time looking at the text. And so we want to get more involved. We want to get, dig a little deeper into what God is saying. So with that in mind, book of John, chapter 9, verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man, or his, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind. Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and applied the clay to his eyes, and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. And so he went away and washed and came back seeing. Now look at verse 35. Jesus heard that they had put him out, and finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him and he is the one who is talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I came into the world, so that those who do not see may see, and those who may see become blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, we are not blind too, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, your sin remains. Pray with me. Our Father, tonight as we open your word, Father, this is an incredible story that you have given to us that has so many layers. We ask you to guide us. That, Father, we may not only understand it, but, Father, we may impl- apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A few weeks ago, I was channel surfing, and there was an old Columbo TV sh- series on. Many of you remember Columbo, the detective. And on that particular episode, Johnny Cash was the murderer. I know that's hard to believe, but he was the murderer. And he played a gospel singer. 
And in that series, that episode, he was singing a song that really was famous for Johnny Cash, although Johnny wasn't the one who wrote the song. It was Hank Williams. And the song was, I Saw the Light. And that became a theme throughout that episode. And in that song, it says, I, I wonder so aimless, life filled with sin, I would let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Now, that song was written only a few years ago, technically, I guess, if you consider in the scope of time. But that song could have been written 2,000 years ago by a man that we are going to be introduced tonight. In our story, we find a man who was born blind, but he did not die blind. He was born into light, uh, darkness, but he was born into light. He was born in a world that he could not see, but he was born again that he could see. In this story, we're going to see that there's a physical miracle that's taking place, but there's also a spiritual miracle taking place also. And in that, we find spiritual lessons for all of us. So I hope in your Again, open your Bibles to this passage in John chapter 9 as we look at the story, and it begins with the misery of a blind man. The misery of the blind man. Look what it says in verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Jesus sees a man who is suffering. Now, understand this. Jesus saw him. He saw the man who is hurting. This man is blind. He's been blind from birth. In other words, he's never seen the uh, sunrise. He's never seen the sunset. He's never seen a tree. He's never seen a flower. He's never seen the face of his parents. He's never seen the, the face of friends. He's never seen the temple. He was born blind. And that's important to the story because of all the miracles that Jesus has done, this is the first time we hear of a miracle of someone being healed that had the problem from birth. Jesus healed five blind people in the the Gospels that we know about. He healed more than that, we know. But five different accounts of blind people. But this is the only time it said specifically he was blind from birth. This is something that been with him all of his life. Now, his being born blind caused a problem in that world because people couldn't figure out why. And so Jesus sees him. Jesus notices him. A lot of people wouldn't notice him. A lot of people just walk by the beggars of the world. A lot of people walk by the people that are hurting. But Jesus, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. In verse 2, the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? In Jesus' day, everyone assumed if you had a physical problem, it was a sin problem that you committed some kind of sin. So anytime you read the gospel account of someone that Jesus healed, not only did he heal them physically, he healed them spiritually, but also socially, because everyone in that time period, and they're wrong, they assume if you were sick, it was your sin. But here's a man born from birth. So how is it possible that sin affected him? And so the disciples are trying to figure it out. Was it the parents? Did they commit a specific sin? Is this hereditary sin? Did they do something and God is causing it on the child? That's what they're asking. Or they are wondering, could it be, believe it or not, could you sin in the womb? There were some rabbis that debated this. Now, they couldn't figure out what sin you could commit in the womb, but they did debate it. They thought it was possible. 
Or is this maybe a pre-existent soul, like reincarnation? Is it possible in another life he sinned, and he comes here? And even though this Judaism, this was a thought process of the first century. Well, the reality is, he's blind. I mean, there's no sinful reason except there's sin in the world. He was simply blind. Now, in the same way, we sin because we're sinners. It's David who writes in Psalm 51, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Understand the spirituality of this. This man was not blind because he could not see. He could not see because he was, but because he was blind. Man is not a sinner because he sins. He sins. A man is not a sinner because he sins. He sins because he is a sinner. Man is not born with God and then somehow loses God when he sins. Man is born without God, and that's why we must be born again. And the disciples are trying to figure this out. Who is he? Jesus said, verse 3, there was neither he that, it was neither this man sinned or his parents, but that he, that the work of God might be displayed in him. Look down at verse 8. This is after the man was healed. It says, therefore, the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, is this not the one who used to sit and beg? Here's a man, he's blind from birth. And in that day, if you were blind from birth, you had no government help. If you didn't have family members, there's only one way to survive, and that was begging. This man was a beggar. For some reason, we don't know, his parents didn't support him. But he was a beggar. Beggars were always poor. They could not save themselves. Again, do you see the spiritual concept? He is blind. He's a beggar. We are sinners and we are beggars. Before Christ, we're all beggars. We're begging for something we cannot achieve on our own. We're begging for peace. We're begging for joy. We're begging for satisfaction. There is none apart from Christ. Spiritually, we are by nature not only blind, but spiritually, we are beggars. And this man is in misery, and here's Jesus, and he notices him. So what does he do? Well, look at the ministry of the Lord. What does he do after he sees him? He comes up to the man, and when he said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. And he went away and washed and came back seeing. Jesus was always looking for hurting people. And he was always helping people that was hurting. And so he sees this man, he's blind, and he's going to do something. There's a deliverance. And Jesus, he always does things you don't expect. I mean, sometimes we read the Bible, and I think we forget how surprising the actions of Jesus was. He does three things no one would have expected. First of all, he, he made a mud pie out of his spit and applied it to the eyes. Why would Jesus do that? I mean, we know Jesus had the power to say, see. He could have seen. He could have, his eyes would have been cured. Why did Jesus go through the process of spitting on the ground and making the cure? Now, it, it was common that, that people thought you had to have something physical out of it. But why would you do this? I mean, in that world, people thought that our 
spit has medicinal power. And, and if you don't think that, when you hurt your finger, what do you do first? We still think it. Why would Jesus do this? This really makes no sense. And by doing this, he's breaking three Sabbath laws. Number one, it was against the Sabbath law to make clay. So Jesus on the Sabbath is making clay. It's against the law. Number two, healing a life, healing when life is not in danger is against the law. The rabbi said you could not put cold water on a sprained ankle. That was considered work. Here's Jesus. He is healing on the Sabbath, and it's not a life and death situation. Third, believe it or not, you couldn't spit on the Sabbath. It was, they considered that work. And I've told you before, there was a great debate among some of the rabbis of the day. If you had a gnat in your mouth, what do you do? Because that's unclean. If you spit, it's wrong. If you swallow, it's wrong. What do you do? Here is Jesus. He's going to heal this man. He could have just said the words, but he doesn't. Third, he told him, go wash at Siloam. Why would you go there? There was another body of water, pool of water closer by. Why would you go to that pool of Siloam? A little background. That pool was used to draw the ceremonial cleaning water. They had a word for it. They called it the well of salvation. It was built in King Hezekiah day. They built a tunnel, so the tunnel would channel into the city, and you could always have salvation. You always have water there. And they started using that water for the ceremonial, uh, um, for salvation as a symbolism. And so what Jesus said was, I want you to go to the well of salvation. Why would he do that? Why would you make a blind man with a mud pie on his face walk through the crowd to go clean himself at the pool. Do you realize how many times Jesus would do a miracle and we have to do something? Many times Jesus would say, for example, to the lepers, go to the priests that you're clean. And as they were going, they were cleansed. The lame man, Jesus said, pick up the pallet and walk. Later on, we're going to look at the story of Lazarus. Even then, Jesus told the disciples or told the men to remove the stone. Jesus could have removed the stone. But all through the miracles of Jesus, he asked us to do something before the miracle takes place. So here's Jesus, and he is delivering this man. What Jesus is doing physically is bringing a deliverance, but there's so much spiritual lesson from the water. Now, it would been great if the story ended there. The man comes back, he's seeing but beginning in verse 8, we find the debates. After the, after the deliverance, there's debates. Look at verse 8. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is this not the one who used to sit and beg? They're looking at him. Say, wait a minute. We know this guy. They knew his profession. They said he's a beggar. They said, we know where he sat. The, the Greek language means they knew exactly where he sat. He sat at the same location every day. They knew who he was. Verse 9, others were saying, this is he. So others saying, saying, no, but he is like him. And he kept saying, I am the one. They couldn't explain the miracle. They said, well, he looks like him, but it's not him. But he kept saying, I am the one. 
You see, they want to explain away the miracle. They couldn't comprehend this miracle. So verse 10, they went, they were saying to him, how then were your eyes open? Verse 11, he answered, the man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed and I received sight. He said, all I know is this. I know the man named Jesus. He put some clay on my eyes, told me, go wash the Siloam. I did that. Now I can see. Now, in the Greek language, there's a special phrase there where he says, I can now see. The, eye, the, the word literally means, I can see so I can look into heaven. What this man is saying is, I not only can see, but I can see with faith. Something's happened to me. And the neighbors were upset. Who is this man? They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. Verse 13. Now the Pharisees get involved with the debate. They brought to the Pharisees the man who was formerly blind. Now it was the Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened the eyes. And the Pharisees also were asking him again how he received his sight. And he said to them, he applied clay to my eyes and I wash and I see. And therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man, again, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. I love this debate. Here's a blind man. He is seeing. And they're saying, well, they, this, this is impossible. And they're debating his condition. What they should have been doing was celebrating a blind man can see. They should have been celebrating a healing has taken place. But they didn't. They wanted to debate the issue. There's something wrong. They're more concerned about rules than the cure. Jesus made a mud pie. You can't do a mud pie. That's against the rule. We don't care if good came from it. Listen. There's always something wrong with people when they're more concerned about tradition and rules rather than salvation. Beware those people. They're Pharisees. And that's what the Pharisees are saying. Hey, he broke the rules, so he can't be from God. Now, we made the rules, but he broke our rules. He can't be from God. And so they decided, verse 18, well, let, let's go talk to the parents. The Jews then did not believe it of him and that he had been blind and received sight until they called his parents of the very one who had received his sight. Now, here's what they're saying. Well, obviously, he's seeing now. He was blind, but he's seeing now. Oh, I know. He was never blind. This man's a con man. That's the answer. So let's bring the parents. Let's ask the parents about his condition. They would let us know, is he really blind? And so they bring in the parents. And again, the parents, instead of being excited their son can see, they're scared. They bring him in, verse 19, they question him, is this your son who you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? His parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind but how he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. Look at verse 22. 
His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had agreed that if anyone confessed him to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. They bring the parents. Did you notice how they phrase it? You say he's blind. Based on your testimony, we've always believed he's blind. Is that true? By the way, verse 19, the way it's asking the Greek is a very confusing question. It's kind of hard to translate in the English language. Many scholars believe they ask it in such a way to confuse the parents. It's not a misprint, obviously. It was asked in such a way it was confusing to the parents what they were really asking. You know, is this your son whom you say was born blind? And then how does he see? It was a very confusing way it's written in the Greek. And here's a family, all they gave was the facts. Verse 22 said they, they were fearful. That, that word in the Greek means continually fearing. The fear is growing. As they're talking to this crowd, they're getting more and more scared. Why? It tells us. Verse 22, if you confess him as Christ, you're going to be excommunicated. They didn't want that. Now, in Jesus' day, there were three types of excommunication. One is just a simple rebuke. That lasts for anywhere from 7 to 30 days. That's bad enough. The second was casting out. That lasted about 30 to 60 days. Usually, it came with a curse. And they would blast a horn. <laughs> and everybody knew you were cursed, and no one could get within 6 to 7 feet of you. Double COVID. Now, you have not understand what it's saying. The third was the cutting off. This was, you consider the person dead. No communication was allowed between him and the community. Now, we don't know which one they were talking about. But we know this. They knew that if we are cast out, we couldn't have jobs. We couldn't talk to our families. We couldn't go back to the synagogue. We couldn't go back to the temple. We couldn't sell anything. We couldn't buy anything. We would be outcast. Now do you know why they're scared? Here's the people saying to this family, you say he was blind. How do we know you're telling the truth? You said he was blind. We, we took your opinion. What do you say now? Do you see the irony in this? Jesus saw a blind man, and he entered the blind man's life. And the world attacked. When Jesus walks into your life, the world will walk out of your life. And sometimes it can be difficult. Sometimes it can be hostile. In fact, Jesus won't come into your life if the world won't move out. And when he does come, it will move out. Verse 24. They asked the man again the second time. They called the man who's been blind. He said, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Talking about Jesus. Verse 25, he answered, I, rather he's a sinner, I do not know. But one thing I do know, that I, though I was blind, now I see. Greatest testimony in the Bible. I love it. Basically, what he's saying, look, I'm not going to debate with you people. I don't understand. Here's what I know. I was blind, but now I see. That's your testimony, folks. 
When you talk, talk to someone, you say, well, I don't, I don't know how to give answers. I don't know how to debate people about the Bible. You don't have to debate anyone. All you have to do is say, all I can tell you is I was blind, but now I see. I didn't know anything, but now I know who Jesus is. He changed my life. I used to be this way, now I'm this way. All I can tell you, he made a difference in my life. That is our testimony. And they are trying to get him to say Jesus was a sinner. He said, no, I'm not going to go there. I just want you to know I was blind, but now I see. Did you notice the progression of this story? It started out with a man called Jesus made clay. Verse 10. A man called Jesus. That's all I know. All I know is a man. man called Jesus. Put some mud on my eyes. He implied that he was a good man because he healed him. But he's a good man. That's all I know. Down to verse 17, he, he's talking about uh, how did he open his eyes. He said, he's a prophet. I don't know. He was a good man. Now he's a prophet. So Jesus became a good man at the beginning. Now he's a great man. You couldn't, get, you couldn't pay a higher price than to tell someone he was a prophet. And so they continue to question this man about his, who Jesus is. He said, all I know is, look at verse 29. He said, we know that God has spoken to Moses that for this man, we do not know where he's from. The man answered and said, well, here's the amazing thing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God is not here sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. See the progression? This man named Jesus. Oh, this prophet, this man from God. Sound familiar? Remember the woman at the well? You, being a Jew, asked me for water. I perceive, sir, you must be a prophet. We're looking for the Messiah. And Jesus said, I am he. And yet the Pharisees could not accept it. Even down in verse 40. They said to Jesus, you're not saying we're blind too. And Jesus said, look, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, your sin remains. You follow what God has shown you. This blind man, all he knew was Jesus was a man who helped him. That's all he knew. He continued, found out he was a prophet. From there, he found out he was godly. And then Jesus confronts him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now he knows he's God. That's how salvation takes place. Whatever God has shown you, you hold on to that, and then God will show you something else. If you're here and you're not saved, if you're watching online, you're never giving your life to Christ, what you know, you hold on to that, and God will show you the next step. That's what he's saying. And the Pharisees won't accept it. And the contrast between the Pharisees and this man is amazing. The Pharisees were spiritually blind, but the blind man had spiritual insight. The Pharisees had pride. Look at us. The blind man had humility. I don't know. I just know I can see. The Pharisees had no concern for others. They didn't care about this man. The, The blind man had compassion for others because he told the story over and over and over. The Pharisees was insensitive to sin. The blind man wanted to repent and change. The Pharisees was, was condemning, uh, had condemnation from Jesus. And the blind man had forgiveness from Jesus. 
the Pharisees, you can see the anger within as they're confronting this man and the parents. But from this blind man, all you can see is love. Jesus changed his life. Pierre Paul Thomas grew up in Montreal, Canada in the 1940s. In Canada, they love hockey, and he wanted to be a hockey player like his brothers, but he could not because he was born blind. And he always regretted that he couldn't play hockey. When he was 66, he fell down some stairs and fractured some bones in his face. They rushed him to the hospital, and they were swelling around the eyes. They worked to repair the bone. Later, he went to a plastic surgeon to, to do some reconstructive surgery, and the surgeon casually asked Thomas, he said, oh, by the way, do you want us to fix your eyes? He said, what do you mean? He said, we can, your eye, we, we know what's wrong with it. We, we can cure your eye with surgery. You, you can see. And he had the surgery, and for the very first time at age 66, he could see. All of a sudden, he saw the world. They said, he said, it, he was awestruck. Of all the most beautiful things he saw were flowers. He could not comprehend flowers, how beautiful they were. But then he said, he could have had the surgery earlier, but he didn't believe it existed. People told him there was a surgery that could fix his eyes. He didn't believe the possibility existed. He thought it was impossible, so he submitted, resigned himself, I will live in blindness as opposed to having false hope. He could have had sight decades earlier. The technology was there. But he made a choice not to. There are many people who resign their lives to spiritual blindness because they haven't accepted the fact that there's a spiritual gift from Jesus to give you eternal life. There are people who believe it. it's too good to believe. I, there's no way you're telling me that because someone died 2,000 years ago, my life can be changed. There's no way you're telling me that you can actually have joy and peace in this world. You're, you're just all faking, aren't you? And some people have chosen spiritual blindness as opposed to following the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're online today and you deny you want to give your life to Christ, if you text the word today at 270-398-5005, and if someone will give you a call talking to you about your decision. If you're here tonight and you want to give your life to Christ, maybe you realize I'm spiritually blind. You can change that tonight. You can leave here spiritually seeing by giving your life to Jesus Christ. Would you stand by your heads? Heavenly Father, all of us start off spiritually blind. And then, Father, some of us, we give our life to you, and, Father, you restore our sight. So, Father, tonight my prayer is for those who are spiritually blind, those who have never given their life to Christ, whether online or here in person, and that, Father, tonight will be that night when they will accept the greatest gift imaginable by saying to Jesus, Lord, I need you. I admit that I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. I believe that you died for me. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you were buried in the third day you rose. I believe in Jesus. And I confess, I give him everything. I'm holding nothing back. 
I invite Jesus into my life. Father, Father, let those words be spoken tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.